Welcome to the Purpose Founder Podcast. We're so excited that you're here. This is a weekly recap of the Life Gathering that happens on Wednesdays at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Join our Facebook discipleship page and receive updates and content information and connect with people from all around the world. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Of 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. And this is what it says. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. I don't know how you could ever outdo the testimony of God. And this is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. Okay, here you go. If you were wondering, well, what is the testimony of God? Here we go. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son, his son, Jesus Christ. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Let's pray. Uh, well, hold on. Before we pray, we'll get there. So today, we're going to talk about a very important topic, like I said. What John's talking about here is the assurance of salvation. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity let your word go forth. God, may they be your words in my mouth. Father, let me get out of the way so that you can come in and do what you need to do in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about 1 John a little bit, right? This is the same person who wrote the book of John in the Gospels, okay? So what John is writing about, he's writing to reassure believers in their faith, right? So he's writing to believers who already know Jesus Christ, He's writing to reassure them of their faith and to offer encouragement to those who may be doubting in their faith. And I wonder how many of you may be doubting today. How many of you on the call, on the on this uh, Zoom call, may be wondering, do I have salvation? How can I be sure that I'm saved? Am I going to heaven? Maybe you're not even sure if God's going to show up in your life. Maybe you're doubting whether he's heard your prayers in the middle of the night, that you've cried the tears that you've been crying, and you wonder if God has even seen those tears. Maybe you're wondering and you're doubting all these things. And so John is writing this entire book to reassure them of the life that they have to look forward to and that they can live in right now. And so in this book of 1 John, God is presented in three different ways. He's pre presented as light, as love, and as life. So he talks about life and how to walk in the light and have fellowship with God. He talks about love and how it's a giving. Love is dying and forgiving and blessing and how God is love. And he talks about life, that God's life is in his son. Eternal life is in his son. And to have his son is to have eternal life. Oftentimes when you read the book of John or even 1 John or 2 John or 3 John, you'll notice John goes back and forth. He says the same thing just in different ways. Um, and that's because he's just trying to emphasize this point. He will often contrast different things to show who God is. So do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you know his son? Do you know that you have eternal life? Are you sure? Are you assured of it? Are you confident in it? 
honestly, we could read the entire book of First John, and I could just leave it at that. And we could call it a day and go home. But I want you to maybe this week take some time and read through the book of First John because it is so rich and powerful of who God is and the purpose of why he sent his son. So what we're going to jump into is, again, this topic of the assurance of salvation. I want to give you that background of First John because it's important in understanding of how we can be sure that we have eternal life with God. And so one of the first ways and the first point I want to talk about uh, that you know you have salvation is because it is by grace through faith. It's by grace through faith. And this is what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And this is from the Amplified Version. I like this uh, this translation. So every now and then it just helps to emphasize some certain points. And it says, for it is by grace, that is God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, that's not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. That means we did not deserve what God gave us. We did not deserve or earn this gift that God has freely given to us. Salvation, Paul says, does not come from ourselves. It does not come from hearing something good. It does not come from thinking that we have to be perfect in this life to earn our salvation. It does not come from Gandhi. It does not come from all these other teachers in the world who say that you can have salvation through this, that, or the other. Paul says it doesn't come through any of that. And Paul says it's not a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or to take credit in any way for his salvation. And the important part I want to make about this is that this is God's salvation. This is Jesus's salvation that he has given for us. It's not by anything we could ever, ever do. And thank goodness, because men would we screw it up all the time. And did we screw it up all the time when God gave us a law? And that's why this amplified version talks about it wasn't any result of you trying to keep the law because you can't. No matter how hard we tried over and over again, we failed. You can read that all through the book, uh, through all through the Old Testament in those books and realize that we were powerless. Where we were powerless, God stepped in through the through his son, Jesus Christ, and gave us eternal life, not by anything that we did or deserved or earned, only because of his grace and his love for us. So again, salvation is by grace through faith. And so that should be encouraging in and of itself. Maybe some of you are on the call, and I know I've talked to quite a few of you, um, and you think that, man, I need to do all these things, and I've done these things in my life, and that's how I know I'm going to heaven. That's what I would tell God. God, I've done all these things for you. I've done all these things for you, and that's why I should go into heaven. And God says, that's not the case. That's not why you have eternal life. You have eternal life because of my gracious grace I've given to you. So the next thing I want to talk about is that eternal life starts now. And you may be wondering, well, that doesn't make any sense. How can that happen, right? So there's this tension between now and then. There's this tension of eternal life, of salvation, that is it, is it here? Is salvation already here or is it not yet, right? And even through uh, the, the Gospels, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he has this tension that he says, the kingdom of God is among you. In fact, it's within you. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. 
But he also says, and there is coming a day when I will return and I will set up a new heaven and a new earth and that kingdom of God will be here. So we live in this time of tension between already, but not yet. The kingdom of God is already here because it lives within us, but it's not entirely here just yet. It's not fully here just yet and in all its glory with Jesus as king, with Jesus uh, sitting at the right hand of God and God having that perfect relationship with us again. So eternal life starts now. And I want to read John 17 verses 1 through 3 with you for this. And after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. This is right before Jesus is going to be crucified. He says, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, look at verse three again. Jesus says, now this is eternal life. In fact, let me add, to, let me add a different point of emphasis on this uh, sentence. Now this is eternal life. Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, right? There are no other gods other than God. He is the only God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. That is eternal life. So we, uh, sorry, Jesus died to restore us to God, right? He died so that we could have that right relationship with him again. And not just to someday have salvation and, and one day go to heaven, right? Jesus did not die so that, well, hey, I'm going to die and forgive your sins. But then, hey, then one day when you'll, you'll be in heaven and then we'll have eternal life then. He says, no. Knowing God now means you have eternal life, not just forever in heaven, not just one day when, because God says, I actually want to bring eternal life to earth. I want my kingdom to come to earth and for you to be ambassadors for me. I want you to be representatives of me on this earth. And I want you to actually go into all the world and I want you to preach this message that salvation has come through Jesus Christ and to start to restore and put the world back together the way I designed it to be. So what God is saying. So we experience the beginning of eternal life here on earth, right? Because when we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, we begin that eternal life. Now, this is just a temporary stopping point in our, in our journey, in our spiritual journey. So we will have eternal life here on this earth and then continue that eternal life in heaven. And wouldn't it be strange if Jesus came, he did all of his miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended back into heaven and said, hey, guys, that was fun. Thanks so much. That was great. Uh, now I'm going to take everything that I did to bring ki the kingdom of God here to this earth. I'm going to take it all back with me to heaven. And, uh, you know, just you guys hang out and then one day you'll have eternal life, too. No, no. Jesus came so that we he said you will do greater works than I will. Meaning that we now have the opportunity to go into the entire world and share the message. The good news of the gospel is that God sent his son Jesus to die for us, to forgive us of our sins so that we may have eternal life and a restored and perfect relationship with him. So eternal life starts now. Hanif, welcome from Pakistan. I see you, my friend. Hello. Just want to throw that in there. Just want to throw that in there. 
And I want to talk about this. Okay, so this is going to, we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive here into the book of Romans chapter 10. So everybody pay attention. Now is the time to uh, really pay attention. Okay, we're going to jump in. So everybody get a notebook out because we are going to dive deep into um, the book of Romans here. So this is what Romans 10, 9 through 10 says. And if you guys have ever talked with one of us, myself or Ada or Matt on the phone, um, and we've talked to you before, then you've heard this before. And we're going to go even deeper into it. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So I want to talk about the context of what's happening here and what Paul is saying, because it's very, very powerful, right? Yes, of course, God, sorry, Paul is saying that when you declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you have eternal life. You will be saved. But think about who Paul is talking to in this, in this passage. Paul is talking to a Roman audience, Roman Christians living in a time of persecution, Okay, so when Paul speaks to these Roman Christians, he is using uh, a Greek word for the word Lord. When he refers to Jesus being Lord, he is using the Greek word kurios. Okay, what's fun about this word is that it is the normal title of the Roman emperors. Okay, so you would have kurios and then the name of the Roman emperor. At this time, it just so happened to be Domitian. So he would be called kurios Domitian. Okay, so it's a title of normal Roman emperors. It is the normal title of the Greek gods. Well, that's interesting, right? Because living in a Roman society, in a pagan society who worshipped Greek gods, Paul is now using this to describe Jesus. And so it's also um, the, the preface or the beginning part before the god's name, same as the uh, emperor or the Caesar at the time. So if a man called Jesus Curios, he was ranking him with the emperor with God, with those gods that those these other Romans around them were worshiping. And he was giving Jesus the supreme place in his life. He was basically confessing that this, this Lord is going to be the one that receives all of my obedience and my reverent worship. I'm going to worship him alone, right? So calling Jesus Curios was completely just unimaginable, just unique, just different, this is complete craziness to a Roman audience. And so there's also um, a tradition that is held that you would have to declare that Caesar is Lord, right? The emperor, you would have to say that Caesar is Lord and believe that Caesar was raised from the dead because there was a story that the Caesar of the time was uh, died and was raised from the dead. And so you would have to declare these things and pledge your allegiance and pledge your obedience and your life to this Caesar, to this emperor at the time. And if you didn't, that meant death. That meant you would die a horrible, tragic death because you did not worship the Caesar or the emperor at the time. But Paul flips this and he says, actually, you have life. Paul says that if you declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, right? Because you've heard all these other pagan nations saying that Caesar is Lord and he was raised from the dead. But Paul says, but I tell you that Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. Paul flips that and says, you will be saved. And so can you imagine 
Let's admit, let's just say that you live in a country where someone says, hey, you have to bow down to this statue and say that it is Lord and that this person was raised from the dead. And if you don't, you're going to die. And then someone writes to you and says, actually, Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. He sits at the right hand of God. And if you say this out loud in public and you declare this boldly, you're actually going to be saved. It's completely backwards, right? So is the kingdom of God. How upside down is the kingdom of God? Okay, so again, that's what that meant for the Roman audience. I probably should have gone to this uh, first. But hey, that's what that meant for the Roman audience that I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior because he is the assurance of my salvation. So maybe that was a lot, right? Maybe some of you are not familiar with Roman history and Greek and anything like that, which I'm not super familiar with myself. I just did a little bit of research before this message. So let's look at this passage, right? This makes things a lot simpler. So um, Paul and Silas are in jail in the context of this story in Acts 16, and a Roman guard comes to them um, after they have broken out of this prison. The angel has come and opened the, the gates of this prison. And so the guard comes and says this, and he says, at, and after he brought them out of the inner prison, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Okay, first error is you don't have to do anything. Uh, technically, you don't have to have works, right? What must I do to be saved? He says, and they answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and entrust yourself to him, and you will be saved, you and your household, if they also believe. And they spoke the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ to him and to all who were in his house. And salvation came to that house that day because they believed. It's simple, y'all. You believe. You have faith in Jesus Christ. That is the assurance of salvation. How can I know that I'm saved? Because you believe in Jesus Christ with a deep conviction, through doubts, through storms, through issues in life, you believe. Okay, maybe you're saying, okay, I understand that, but you know, maybe I'm not, I'm still not very convinced. Okay, well, I want to give you then the best argument for the assurance of salvation that I believe is in the Bible. And it's such a simple story. And Jesus literally says one line in this. We're going to jump into the book of Luke. Okay, I told y'all we have a lot of scripture today, so hang on. We're getting there. Hang on. So Luke 23, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So this is a, a scene of Jesus on the cross with the two thieves next to him. Uh, so this thief says, so, you, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And Jesus says, and then the, uh, sorry, the, the, then the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. So let's, let's look at this real quick. This is a scene of the crucifixion of Jesus, just an illustration to portray this, right? And the two thieves next to him. So I have some questions for you. Okay. After hearing that, right? One thief was, was mocking Jesus. The other thief um, called him Lord. All right. So some questions for you. Let me ask you, which thief had works? Was it the one on the right or the one on the left? Which had good works in his life? Neither. Okay. Which thief was baptized? The one on the right or the one on the left? Neither. Okay. Let's move on. Which thief went to church? Here we go. The one on the right or the one on the left? Neither. 
All right, which thief did something for Jesus? The one on the right or the one on the left? Neither. Are you saved? Are you saved? One thief couldn't be baptized, the other thief couldn't be baptized. One thief couldn't join the church, the other thief couldn't join the church. One thief didn't keep the law, the other thief didn't keep the law. So which one are you? Are you saved? One woke up in eternity in heaven, one woke up with eternity in hell. Which one are you? Are you saved? One mocked Jesus, but the other one called Jesus Lord. Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Which one are you? Which thief are you? You're not the one in the middle. You're not that guy in the middle, I can tell you that much. Which thief are you? Are you going to be the one that wakes up in eternity in heaven by calling Jesus Lord and believing in him? Or are you going to be, end up on the other side of things? Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By one sentence that the thief said, Jesus answered him with one sentence and says, because of your faith in me, you, have, you will be with me in, in heaven. So my last point, today is the day of salvation. Today is a day of salvation, not tomorrow, not tomorrow, not one day when everything starts working out in your life, not one day when things seem to line up and God answers all of your prayers. Today is the day of salvation. And I'm believing that today is the day of salvation for someone on this call. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, and he quotes the book of Isaiah, and he says, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. And Paul says, I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation because we have Jesus Christ on uh, who was crucified on the cross and raised from the dead. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. John 20, 31 says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Every book that John writes, he says, these things are written so that you may believe that he is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life. You may have eternal life in his name. And again, Jesus says in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Already. The moment you accept Jesus, you pass from death into life. The moment you have Jesus and you confess him as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life. So my question, have you honestly committed your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And maybe this is another reassurance for you. If you can say, yes, I have committed my life to Jesus Christ and I believe he is my Lord and Savior, my friends, you have eternal life. There is no need to doubt. There's no need to worry that you are going to do something to uh, have your eternal life taken away from you. You already have it. You have it. And if you are on this call and you're saying, no, I have not honestly committed my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, I want to reassure you, Jesus Christ is eternal life. And he is salvation. And salvation comes through no one else. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those were the words of Jesus. He is the only way. You may hear of other ways to heaven that you can do this and do that and believe in this God and believe in that God. It's all wrong. It's all false. You cannot. Jesus is eternal life and he is salvation. Salvation is in him. 
So my question then I want to follow up with is, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Again, if you're on this call and you do not know him, today is your day of salvation. If you have never confessed him as your Lord and Savior, if you have never accepted him into your life and said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, I'm surrendering everything to you. Today is the day of salvation. When Jesus hung on that cross next to those two thieves, every iniquity fell on him. Every single one of our sins fell on him in that moment. And that's what Isaiah 53, 6 says. Because we've all gone astray. We've all sinned. All have fallen short and all have uh, all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've each gone our own ways, but God put all of our sins on Jesus Christ so that we could have eternal life through him. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice again, y'all, the Bible says this all the time, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is in him, and when you have him, you have eternal life. And at the beginning, I even had a little subtitle. It says, from death to life. Because when you accept Jesus, right, you go from death to life. And that's what was happening. We were separated from God. Just like that song at the very beginning that we played from Charity Gale. What fantastic song. Uh, man, just the powerful, powerful way she's so just, uh the way she describes what was going on and is exactly right. We were wretched. We were sinners. We were separated from God. Our sin had separated us from him. We were living our lives according to the way of the world. And we were earning that wage of death because we were rejecting God. We were rebelling against God in his ways. We were uh, leading. We were going towards spiritual death. But then the best two words in the Bible came along and it says, but God. But God, but the gift of God. Right? It's a gift. You can't earn it. There's nothing in your life you could ever do to earn salvation. You can't do enough good deeds in your life to earn it because it's a gift. It is a free gift through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our that, that salvation is in him, y'all. I can't say it enough. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. When we confess him as our Lord, we bridge that, that, that he has bridged that gap for us when we confess him as our Lord and Savior. But God sent Jesus to die for us. So I want to take a moment and I want you to seriously consider, have you honestly committed your life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And so what we're going to do is if that's you, if you say, I have not, Noah, I have not said that Jesus is my Savior. I have not confessed him. This is this is your moment. This is your day of salvation. So we're going to say this prayer out loud together. And even if you have said this before, say it out loud again. Join with your brothers and sisters who are saying this for the first time. And for those of you who may even be recommitting your life to Jesus, you can say this again too. You can say this again too. So I'm going to say this and repeat after me. Father God, I know that I am a sinner and that I need you to forgive me. I know that your son, Jesus, died a painful death and rose again so that my sins could be washed clean. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make you the Lord of my life. And I will trust you and follow you. Everything I have is yours now. In the name of Jesus, 
Amen. Thank you for joining our Purpose Founder podcast. If you made a decision for Christ today, fill out the link below and let us know so we can send you a free devotional and get connected with you. We also want to remind you to join our Facebook discipleship page and get connected with us and people all around the world. Until next time, we'll see you soon.